1: Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com bluewire. That's harrys.com bluewire for a $3 trial set.
2: We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. The Yankees have been playing much better of late. Three out of four from Seattle. It took two out of three from Baltimore, so it was a good homestand all around. I guess they did bookend it with some losses. Let's not talk about that, though. Let's not start on the negative. I'm going to turn the new leaf. When was it that you said, I think it was right around the trade deadline, right? That you were like, you just got to reset... Totally. Res- it was a trade deadline you got to reset that's it that was just a just a mindset shift at this point that's all it is nothing nothing can hurt me nothing can hurt me it is I mean it I think it did help psychologically um I you know I was watching the Friday night game I was I was in Rhode Island so I was with my family and I was watching that game with my dad and my dad stayed up for the whole game and it ended at like 11 30 at night and my dad's one of these guys that goes to bed if he rarely sees the nine o'clock hour okay so oh he boy, goes that's early well he wakes up at like 3. gotta 45. make the coffee he wakes up coffee. if he gotta he's make the psychopath. Psychopath. he's been waking up <laughs> i gotta have a quick aside here so <laughs> this conversation came up over the weekend where my mom was complaining because when my dad's alarm goes off in the morning It's like, it's 4.30 in the morning or whatever. But he sets the clock ahead 25 minutes ahead, okay? So he really wakes up at 4.05 a.m. So she, whenever she wakes up and looks at the clock and sees it, she knows it's not really the time that it is. So usually she's not going to make it past 5 a.m. Because if his alarm's going going off at 4 a.m., she's going to be up by 5 a.m. And she was complaining that he sets the clock ahead 25 minutes, okay? Why does he do that? Because he's a crazy person, but I don't understand that. I don't. He never. He doesn't want to be late. Yeah, but if you know it's twenty five minutes ahead, that's that was my argument. Yes, I know, but he says it helps him. Do you know how long his commute to work is? Five minutes, zero seconds. They live <laughs> on premises now. Okay, they live at the coffee factory. They built an apartment off of the coffee factory. It's a zero second commute. This is like Willy Wonka. This is this is. Uh, I mean. It makes a lot of sense, to be honest. I don't know how it makes sense. It just makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense that your father wakes up at four o'clock in the morning, yet he thinks it's 425 and he has this everlong commute downstairs to the factory yep. in which he makes the coffee and the donuts. <laughs> no donuts, but yes, coffee. <laughs> yeah. He likes to roast the coffee before the sun rises, especially in the summer, because the coffee roaster gets to like 500 degrees. So it's very hot. So he doesn't want to do it when the sun's up. The moon, the moon has something to do with the, the, t- <laughs> the tides have something to do with the way that the coffee is roasted. There's no doubt about it. How we got on this topic was that he actually because it was a weekend and uh, we were at they also have a place at the beach. So it's not like they just live at the coffee factory, but. It was a Friday night, so he decided to stay up. He had a couple brewskis, and uh, we were watching the game. And he also, I feel like we've both reset expectations, and he still gets agitated over some certain things, as do I. But it, you have to just sort of throw not throw out the first two and a half months because obviously those, those games still count. But, the, but it's a different the, team. It's a different team. They're they're playing like a different team, which is important. But like literally, the guys on the field, it's a different team. It's a different team, yeah. Up and down. I mean, COVID's trying to take care of that for us and and uh, and and bring back all the old guys because it seems seems like every single day there's another person that drops. I mean, we're getting to a point now where we're at the the entire team dropping uh, dropping to COVID. So you know, hopefully that'll be a good thing moving yeah, who, forward. I mean, because think about it, Who hasn't back on it? Whether they actually legitimately tested positive or not, who has not spent time of the starters on the COVID list? Did Guardy is Guardy? I think go- Brett Gardner and um, that's it, right? I th- I think I think it's Stanton. only Gardy. Uh, maybe maybe Stan, yeah. But Judge obviously did Geo Glaber. His was a yep, false positive. But but I mean Gallo hasn't yet. Rizzo he he is he just now on the did. list, um, which it, now voids back up. I mean, the timing of these, the timing of these moves uh, post deadline, the, you know, the fact that they, right after, right after the all-star break, even right after the, the the second half of July basically is when, when the shit started hitting the fan with, with the, the COVID list, when the Greg Allens of the world were coming up and, and, you know, setting the world on fire in a good way. And you see that this team has actually been through the ringer back you know, but they've still won these games. They're still winning baseball games. It's it's like they're using this as a chip on their shoulder at this point. The schedule and using getting it as fuel for them on the good. field. The schedule getting soft came in a good time as far as injuries and COVID. No, it did. You play the games on your schedule. I'm not I'm not sure. saying that they're not legitimate wins, but they they were playing Seattle and they were playing Baltimore and and um who, who'd they play before Baltimore? It was another soft team. God, my memory is just trash at this point. They've they've gotten to a point now where they got the catalyst from the the trade deadline with Rizzo right. and Gallo. And both of those guys have been impact. I mean, Rizzo definitely you're seeing it on both sides with him. the glove is there, the bat is there. Um, but now that Who he's knows at how long least he's down. down and he's not he's down ten days at least, right? So so he's yep. gonna he's gonna miss the Hall of Fame game or the uh, uh Hall of Fame game. <laughs> That's football. Field the, of Dreams. Field of Dreams game, which is Unfortunate for him. I think he was probably looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, you're going to miss that. But the timing with Voight coming to back. to that more than others? Chicago, against Chicago. He, he's okay. a Cub. Wants to beat the White Sox. The okay. South side, north side. They don't I get along. They don't like each I think other. I you're reaching. Possibly. But the, um, you know, the fact that, that Voight is, is back and was ready to, you know, was already rehabbing and just, you know, boop, plop, plop Voight back into that first base spot. Doesn't really. Yet another reason why you don't trade Luke Voigt. Be- I think they, the primary reason you didn't trade Luke Voigt is because he's injured, and it's really hard to trade an injured a guy currently on the injured list. Like teams are not going to give you anything for that player. So what's the point in trading him? Because well, you there was know no point. I think in down. this this you know, year, Rizzo, the more it went on. Yeah. Either Rizzo or Stanton or Judge or someone's going to go down with something, and that opens up a spot for Luke Voight. Yeah. I mean, even even if not. There's that the rotational spot in the DH because we're actually seeing we saw Stanton again out in right field this weekend, which is a really good thing. I, did I already win the over? Is it is it done? Is it he played? That was his third game. Yeah, it was two and a half, wasn't it? Three and a half. Uh, three and a half. All right, one more. So, uh, but but the fact that he's getting out there and made a nice play Boy, against that the might wall. have been his that might have been his fourth game because didn't he play didn't he play two in Miami? Miami is the other uh, team you were thinking of that was dog shit. Yeah, but he that. played. Excellent. He played well in right field again. Like a made made a play against the wall. He's got a nice mustache growing. I think that's probably just because he's playing the outfield needs a little bit extra, and you know he's starting to hit again. Well, how long that lasts, we know. Stanton, that he's yeah. a. He's play, it's four. Yeah, he's played four. So you there hit, we go. You the over, I win. I win. Hammer that over, baby. Um, but yeah. The the fact is is uh, the team is playing better. And look, I, I got to tell you, the the pitching has been unbelievable. I mean, it doesn't even matter now who comes up. Luis Hill and uh, and ridings, these guys have stepped up in such a massive way. I was out last week. I was down at a conference in Nashville, so I wasn't. Uh, I was catching everything a little late, but man, when I go back and watch the those guys pitch, really just electric stuff. And then I w- was able to watch Hill this weekend, and his fastball man it, it's uh it's electric it rides it he can throw it 95 he could throw it 100 if he needs to according to the gun um but he's got nice, got a nice slider like I, I really think that he he is someone um that's probably not going to be in the rotation long term at least this year i could see him being a pretty, pretty good, uh, pretty good arm down the stretch, though. I mean, a end. lot of that depends. You never on, know. Fuck injuries. Who knows? But like, but. a lot of it also depends on. Does Severino come back and be a starter? Does Kluber come back and be a starter? Right, right now, they're three starters down with Cole and Montgomery on the COVID list, and Herman with shoulder, shoulder, uh, was it shoulder inflammation, shoulder soreness um, inflammation, that he yeah. experienced. Um, they, they all. I mean, COVID. The COVID list guys. Hopefully, they're back and and back in normal after that but who knows and Herman seems like a minor injury but who knows and then you have those two other guys who are trying to come back from injury so yeah i mean you're say he might not be in the rotation long term this year but also there's a chance he could be there, there, there is a chance he could be either way i mean he, he they're doing some roster shuffling get, sending him up and down uh to scranton but the guy, the sucks, guy by looks away, doesn't it? You, you you haven't given up a run in the major leagues, and you can't at least stay in the major league hotels. You got to get sent back to Scranton before, obviously, they're going to call him back up and have him start probably next weekend in Chicago. So I wonder if he actually makes the trip or not. Just just stays with the team. Maybe, but isn't that technically not? I don't know. Legal? I don't know the. I don't know what the rules are. I don't you think know, he, he can you appear- physically being. I don't it's think he can appear away. in the dugout. I think if he appears in the dugout, that's like a breach of roster whatever. Possibly. Goes throws some uh, some Bobby Valentine mustache and fake nose on there and go go in the dugout. But, but he looks point, really good. He, to your point fast, about this stuff between His him fastball and Ryan. reminds me of Severino. So, ridings and heel, their stuff. You and I was listening to John and Susan yesterday. I had a 6-hour car ride. We had to stop three different times for Harrison. It was just the worst traffic of my life. Freaking miserable. But I' listening to John and Susan. and <laughs> I'm glad you could find other misery outside of baseball. This is good. this is this is healthy for us. And he's just crying, baby. He's teething right now. so we're trying to like syringe baby Tylenol into his mouth to just trying to get him to calm down. It's just a nightmare. Um, I was listening to John and Sue, and they were just they're just blown away with how guys like Ridings and Heel have the stuff that they do and they're like just another they're jags. They're basically jags in the minor leagues. Just another guy and they're throwing 99 miles an hour. And they're they're right. I don't understand and this is not just unique to the Yankees. I think it's like across baseball now. You are now a jag if you throw 97 98 miles an hour. It's but what do you not crazy. I don't understand what you're not what what's not computing there. There's there are so many more guys now that throw in the high 90s well, that's that, my point that's the that's, that's my the reason. Point. but but i'm also i i was looking up um i think i was looking up ridings. john and susan's internal clock is still 1995 oh i know were, that. like three guys in the league that could. but die, it's so. still i was talking about this when i had jeff blum and david tuttle on like jeff blum former major league baseball player he played like yes. 15 years in the majors and he is even amazed by it he, no one threw 98 miles an hour when he played
3: there was like, I know, of guys by it, that did, but
2: that doesn't change the fact that there's a whole ton of them in there. And now people have reset their expectation and baseball players in the minor leagues are used to seeing that, whereas they were not before. So do you think that's a reason why, like you look at Ridings' career minor league stats, they're unimpressive, but you look at his stuff at the major league level and you're like, that guy must have never given up a run in the minor leagues because if major league hitters are struggling to hit him, how the hell is a triple A hitter going to hit him? But they did. He had like a four, six ERA in the minor leagues. We talked about this before we started, but the sometimes the the relief pitchers numbers can be very deceiving in what they look like. You have a couple of bad outings in there where you leave a couple of fastballs over the plate. This is and career minors. Like career miners. I'm just saying. And also there are some things that they th- look, I I have criticized the Yankees nerds for a lot the nerds in general for a long time, but what they can do sometimes is identify these pitchers and and make little tweaks to the pitchers. I've always said that the I think the pitchers are the most have the have the most to gain from these nerds because they can tinker so easily with what they're doing, and they found something within his splits, and I think have have given him some some new life. We're starting. That's what that's how Tampa really has has come and and been, oh, been a dominant man. force over the They've past. They've got years parade because of of their parade of They've got a parade yeah. of these guys coming up from AAA right every, and you don't know every, any of them are until they get up to the majors and they strike and you they, out and they filter them out like this guy castillo who they they shipped off to seattle middle they're of like, the season screwed. weird like screw they're like screw this guy we've got seven guys in the minors who are better than him and they yeah. do yeah no and yeah exactly they're and they're able to plug and play look nerds are able to identify some pitching in the especially in the bullpen i'll give them that i will give the nerds the 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 bullpen uh I don't think we ever criticize nerds for identifying talent and using the advanced metrics to see, Okay, this guy is it's not translating to the traditional numbers, but we believe in him because of he's doing X, Y and Z. Like we never criticize that. I think what we criticize more is the in-game nerdification of. I've criticized. No, I I mean, I will be critical of. I think some of the offensive numbers and then and then clearly the defensive numbers, you know my feelings about the defensive metrics, but the offensive numbers, I think they're harder to extrapolate and prove success over a long period of time. Whereas if you get a relief pitcher by nature, they are they're uh impactful in short moments, right? So I think that because yeah. of that, they're you can able actually to be benefit from a small sample size on relief pitchers because. If you're facing an opposing team and they're facing ridings, they've never heard of this guy. They have no footage on this guy and he's throwing 98 miles an hour. He's freaking impossible to hit for the first two, three, four, five times you face him. No doubt. He's also a, a tall guy, kind of comes over the top, like has a, has a, because he's throwing downhill um, and throwing 98 downhill. Like that's, that's impressive. And his fastball's also got some ride on it too. It's, it's uh, a, <laughs> you could, you could specialize with the relief pitchers so much so that, I, I think that there's a clear advantage there for identifying certain strengths so I mean obviously and I think of another change in this team is that on Friday night they are down a run in the eighth inning and they do get a little bit of a gift but they they tie the game and then on Saturday they come back from a three-run deficit early that Heaney put them in if this is early July or basically any time before the trade deadline, you you know those two games are over. This team just would quit on those games earlier in the season. That's I mean that's one of the biggest things that we've seen. I think in the past three weeks is the the demeanor of this team, the fight, the you know when Rizzo. I say three weeks when Rizzo and Gallo, when those trades happened. Um, even before that, actually, I'll take that back. When when Greg Allen's of the world were up. <laughs> These, I mean, there was there was a there was a the Greg Allen turning. Point. There was a it different is. feel. It's the Greg though, Allen turning point. Yeah, there's. I don't even understand what they're doing with the with the minor league center fielders at this point. But does the, it matter when when Greg Allen is up and, and there's the, a number of guys that are just not supposed to be there and they and they turn it on for that short amount of time. It kind of rode into and carried them into a a point where actual major leaguers came and made them better with Rizzo Joey Gallo and, and Rizzo. Joey yeah. Gallo. And I will put Clay Holmes in there. Clay Holmes has been absolutely filthy since he's come over. This better the guy been is good. Sessa would have been. Yeah, I mean this is what I said. Sessa was never going to be put in that position. That's the thing. Sessa was never in the Yankees long term. Yes, he had good numbers, but he was never going to be brought in in the seventh, eighth inning. They were never using him like that. Are you so, so worried I, about the bullpen? I do understand bro? what they're doing when they see a guy like Clay Holmes who can come in and, and in what they say, dominate against right-handed uh, bats. And he's been everything that, that they said he could be so far. Uh, he's been very good. Are you still a little worried about the pen? Because Chapman's now back on the I.L., um and Loizaga seems like he's stepping into the closer role. Yeah, Britain still does not seem like himself, and they've got just a, it. Just seems like a lot of pieces going on in that bullpen that I I is kind I mean, of. Like, I like the I like the pieces of uh, Ridings has been has been damn good. Um, and they've been using him in in moments. They were talking about on the broadcast yesterday that the first time Ridings went out there and pitch. I think it was last Tuesday, which is like a day after his grandmother passed. Talk about you know emotions and family in town, planning all the things he was talking about it in the post game, um, the the post game interview. But they had never seen him pitch. They had never seen him pitch. He wasn't in the organization. He wasn't a spring training invite. Never seen him pitch. Throw him out there. Yeah. Why not? Has Boone been better to you for the pa- over the past two weeks, or is it just the winning mask the the Boone uh, the Boone ineptity? I'm not going to let ineptity. Is that I'm not. Word? That's not a word. I'm not ineptitude. I'm not going to let a couple weeks of winning cloud my belief that Aaron Boone is a bad manager. I still think he's a bad manager. And I mean, the team won 100 and 100 games in 18 and 19, and he was a bad manager. Then he made stupid mistakes in the playoffs that cost them, like leaving Sabathia in far too long against the Red Sox. Then he did the stupid shit, whether he was at the hand of it or not. He Went out there and made the pitching change in game two of the ALDS last year and then all the crap this year, especially to start the season. I don't think he's a good manager and I'm still afraid if they get to the playoffs, he'll do something stupid. He will do something stupid. There's no doubt. I'm just hoping the players are better at that point and can kind of overcome it. But of course, I will say I mean, players can overcome bad managing. Yes. To a point. To a point. Because and ultimately they have to do what the manager says. If the manager makes a bad well unless decision you're Derek Cole in game, just tell your manager to go sh- shove it. But if a manager makes a bad decision in game, it can cost you. And if it's a one-game wild card or a five-game ALDS or a seven-game ALCS, one game makes all the difference. Speaking of the wild card, Yankees are two and a half games back, one in the loss column. From the Boston Red Sox, who well, it, you know the crazy thing is the, the tail Red Sox are the only one who's tail spinning. They're two two and nine in their last eleven. The Yankees are eight are eight and two in their last ten. Oakland is also eight and two in their last ten. Tampa's eight and two in their last ten, and Toronto's Toronto. eight and two in their last ten. So the Yankees have only gained ground in this stretch over Boston. Um, they have, but. Again, second wild card doesn't matter. Just get to that second wild card spot. And in fact, uh, Oakland and Boston are tied for that. For that. uh, For the wild card spot, their percentage wise look like they're about the same. They're damn. Yeah, I didn't think Boston was going to hit this tailspin as hard as they did. I mean, we always believed that their pitching was going to come back down to earth. They're getting Sale back, which will. I don't even know what that is. Is that? I mean, is is it? Are we going to see Chris Sale though, or is it just the name of Chris Sale? And he's going to be on the. I think it's a similar situation different. to Luis Severino, where it's like we don't really know what he's going to be, but he could be great, or he could be a non-factor. Yeah, I mean, he had some. Didn't he have surgery? When did he have surgery? Wasn't it after Severino? I, I I have to look it up when it was. I actually think it was before. Is my gut, but um, this is something that that. But uh, I don't know. I saw it the entire time. We're we're looking at Boston and like there's no possible way this team can sustain what they have. Tampa makes sense. Boston did not make sense. It just did not make sense. They were playing it's uh, seemingly on like the uh, you know the the rally cry of their manager and <laughs> and and some offense because they can hit, but their their pitching is is dog shit. It's trash. And the fact that they say this this uh, afloat this long is. Is uh pretty crazy? And to they me. blew, they blew a big lead to Toronto yesterday, and that yeah they because they're because they're a bad, a bad pitching team is what they they lost three out of four to the Blue Jays over the, over the weekend. And what um, you're seeing is what you're seeing is, is one team that has been playing above their means, and another team was playing well below their means, and now we're we're starting to see two the, ships uh, passing in the night. The, the, yeah, starting to see things level off, and the talent of the New York Yankees, which we were praying and hoping would. Start to come out and and, sh- and and rear its head, has definitely started to do that. You know, so, obviously COVID has been throwing wrenches. I want to talk about the. I want to talk about the COVID thing, but I want to do it a little later. So one thing I wanted to mention is that the team is still not perfect. Like they still do things that. Are bad And and the runners in scoring position, the runners on base, the execution in in when moments when you can just get a sack fly or something like that is still bad. And I use the example of Giancarlo Stanton on Friday night. The judge hits a sack fly to tie the game and then Stanton immediately grounds into a double play in in that eighth inning. And and that just killed the rally. So but they're doing more things right than wrong at this point. And that's why they're winning. again they're playing a week schedule so hopefully this carries into I think their next hard their next hard series is probably the White Sox right the White Sox are a good team and White Sox got, are a very good team you've got they swept them though first time the Yankees did
3: yeah they which was surprising
2: got, they've got the field of dreams game which I'm going to be doing a crossover episode with a White Sox podcast called Sox Machine we're going to be recording that Wednesday night and then, so that should be up Thursday before the Field of Dreams game. But that's like a gimm- thats a gimmick, right? Like that—that's like the London game. Oh, it's very different. It's still here. They don't have to travel like overseas. It's not like this big hoopla thing. It is around gimmick, the London. Like, it's very—it's very different. Very but different. so the—but the, what I'm saying is, this kind of—if this was just a traditional Friday, Saturday, Sunday three-game series in Chicago, I would say, okay, that's just a hard series on the road. Now. You got this gimmick game. It's a gimmick for both teams. So that's a wash for one game. And then it's a two game series on the road, basically. Yeah, essentially. But the uh, one, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be pretty, pretty odd. Did you see the jerseys? I did see the jerseys. Did and you? I wanted to punch my computer screen when I saw the Craig Kimbrell uh, <laughs> uh, freaking <laughs> hanging hanging his stupid arm. Yeah. yeah. I still yeah. hate that guy. I hate him too. He's 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 a piece of shit. Because he hangs his arm, because Jonathan <laughs> Pappelbum made a butthole with his mouth. I don't like either one of them. I will say <laughs> I don't even, those guys were not on the same team, not even close. No, but they they're they they they, they are continuations of the of a jackass at the end of the game. Douchey Red Sox closers. Yeah. I will say I when I uh Keith Falk is still the one I hate the most. Oh, really? I did not. Um he beat them. Mike Timlin. Mike Timlin was my hate most hated, most hated. I hated him with a passion. Was he your most hated Red Sox? He was up there. Yeah, he one of the top. People were like, "What are you talking about, Mike Timlin?" I I loathed Mike Timlin. I loathed uh, Brian Dahlback, and no one knew why. It's because he used yeah. to lick his lick his wrist and then wipe it on his forehead in between. Mike Timlin matches. was just an asshole. He just looked like an asshole too. His face looked like an asshole. He looked like he was ripping Mar- Marlboro Reds in the in the bullpen oh, out there. I hate his face still to this day. I forget what I was about to say, but it was going to be something good. Um,
3: I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it was
2: going to be great. <laughs> the this uh, this this field of dreams game is oh the uniforms the uniforms the uniforms are awesome. They were they, I think they look really good. This is exactly what they should have done when the Yankees played the Dodgers. Uh, was that 2019? When, well, when, when they did the black uniforms, when they when they did the horrible yeah the blackout and the white uniforms. Right, there was one team. The Yankees yeah. were in black, and the and the Dodgers were in white. It was a oh, classic was, meeting. Wasn't it the players week games. Yes, they should have yeah. and they should they could have done some throwbacks it would have been awesome. Uh but this is uh this is done right. I think this is done right. I like the I like the unis. I think it looks cool. Do you wish they were playing two games instead of one? Or do you think one's going to be enough? Yeah, two games would have been would have been fun, but I I I know what they're trying to do. They're just trying to make a spectacle out of the one. Plus it's expensive. It's probably just expect, well, opportunity cost as well. The, the, I, I doubt the teams even wanted them to play one, because how yeah. many how many people are at these? It's like eight thousand, right? So, something very small. Uh, so to be honest, I don't know. With COVID, has that changed at all? Oh yeah, I'm not sure. I don't. I the it original seems like every plan, ballpark is normal now. So I know the original plan was eight thousand people. That was when they planned it before COVID, and then now with the Delta variant and everything, and the Yankees, I know have been hit. Very, very hard. We talked about how basically all but two of the primary position players have been hit with COVID. Um, they got the J&J vaccine, they were one of the first teams to get to the 85% vaccinated threshold, and it seems like that has done jack shit for them. They've had so many breakthrough cases, some were false positives, but it it's amazing e- the odds, even though the JJ vaccine is not as effective as the Moderna or Pfizer, Pfizer, Pfizer. Pfizer, Pfizer. Um, <laughs> freaking Rhode Island accent there. Makes me want to puke. Um the uh the Rhode Island accent is you add R's to words that don't have it and you take them away to of words that do have it. That's the Boston accent, you jackass no, it's too. Different. No, it's different. The Rhode Island accent adds R's to words that don't have it. I don't appreciate it. It. Doesn't, do that. it doesn't make me happy that you have it. So continue on. Nor I don't anybody, have it, nor does anybody listening want to I hear don't that. have it. Dog shit. Anyway, the odds still of the breakthrough cases with the J&J vaccine are astronomical that they've had this many. And I know they travel more and they were at the All-Star game. And they were in Miami, which had a higher percentage of people testing positive anyway in, in South Florida. So all these sort of, sort of things working against them. And then Rizzo is not vaccinated. He made the decision earlier in the season when he was with the, the Cubs not to get vaccinated. He's a cancer survivor. People get are getting pissed at him. I'm not the type of person, I don't think you are either, but I'm not going to speak for you. I'm vaccinated, my family is vaccinated, I think people should get vaccinated, but if you choose not to get vaccinated, I don't think less of you, it's your personal decision. It's just something that now he's at a higher risk, like statistically he's at a higher risk and the team had COVID going through it, Sanchez tested positive a couple days before that, Cole and Monty a couple games before that, they've obviously had Judge and all these guys, so yeah, he's not vaccinated, of course he was going to get it, he's sharing a locker room with all these guys. Yeah, it's it's just unfortunate for the baseball, the baseball stuff like he's in a situation with his uh, previous cancer, um, you know, being in remission and and then uh, just going through all those treatments like he's got other things to think about. I can't put myself in those shoes, so I don't know. And I try. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. I choose not to put myself in other people's shoes. I make the best decisions I can for myself and my family and what I think is uh, the, the right way forward. But other people have different opinions. It goes back to politics, too. People have different opinions across the board. That's the worst part of it. it, is is that what it you, say, is. you say you're say you getting vaccinated or you're not getting vaccinated and, he, and everyone makes it political. It's, it's just it's infuriating. <laughs> yeah. The the thing, the team is coming back from all of these little just like jabs. It seems like a jab every single time. You, you guys are going well, jab, take out Cole. You guys are going well, Rizzo is depleting well, jab, take out Rizzo. But luckily, there's been another side of this it's been the guys coming back the 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 guys stepping up you know there's there's a little bit of um you know next man up mentality with this team that, that we saw in 2019 uh that that has done well and and the second half of the season in particular I think they're they're tops are they the are they tops in in covid IL list they're, they're up there with, in Major League Baseball. I don't know. I, I was trying to find that out because I was like, are the Yankees the only team who are getting hit hard by this? And they're not. They're, there's they're not. Articles, there's articles written basically every other day about, I know the Cardinals had a had a big uh, thing go through. I think the Brewers had a big thing go through. But it just seems like the names when you think of Rizzo, um, Judge, obviously, Cole, like these are their best players going to. Yeah it's all of their players minus the, the, the two players that we mentioned. You mentioned one you mentioned guys stepping up, next man up guys, but a guy who isn't a next man up guy, who's a guy who's just we wished was there the whole time is Glaber. He's starting to play a little bit better. Bob pulled some stats here. He's got 10 hits in his last 27 at bats. It's a 370 batting average and he's been stealing bases. I know now he's got a wrist issue, right? I was going like, to say and jab back. Yeah. He's getting an MRI on his thumb because when he's oh, yeah, not a rest thumb. Yeah he slid into a baggie uh and and from what boone uh, said i'm concerned boone said yeah. i'm concerned so yeah, that means he's fine that means he's fine take it yeah either you believe him or you don't boob, believe boone things. i call them boob boone gets the bob nightingale treatment just the opposite of what he says yeah i don't like it it's not good thumbs are uh you know you need it to flush a toilet you need it to swing a bat Depends you, what what you know if you're you need, it for, you, you're need it for multiple things so i hope his thumb is is good and those are Man, I, I've had I've had a playing baseball. I've had like a, a strained thumb before. It sucks. It's just there like one know, of those things Scott that's really Scott putting sp- himself in the shoes of a major league baseball player. Yeah, yeah. Just well, you can you know we're both people, and people have thumbs. Mm. And when you try to do something, even though one person's much better at it than the other, it's still the same motion. Still can mm. feel different. Yeah, it's an anno- it's spent. one of those annoying injuries that when you're swinging a bat, like there's there's pressure on your there's a good amount of pressure on your thumb and when that thing is not feeling well it it just changes what you do and it it affects how you can swing a bat and have any kind of force behind anything you're doing so it's a really it's a really shitty nagging injury it's one of the, it's like turf toe it's like you don't see it sounds like nothing but it actually does affect you what do you make of all these stolen bases? The Yankees lead the majors with 19 stolen bases since the all-star break. This is a team that was the worst base running team in the majors in the first half. They clogged the bases, they went station to station, and they were even bad at station to station. Let me throw let me throw a crazy thing at you. So we've been criticizing Boone all season long. Warranted. Teams yep. look like shit for a long time. And all of a, a sudden, dummy. he's a big old we're, dummy. We're playing, you know, much better. You know, this actually looks like a real baseball to team. To his credit, Boones. No, calling this. I'm wondering. Base. I'm wondering how much, like you know, since the All Star break, uh, those numbers are for, since the All Star break. Yet, yeah. is there is there a point where where they're like, you know what, nerds, said cut, fuck it, cut the nerds off. Yeah, fuck it, cut the nerds off. We're gonna hit and run. We're gonna Good. steal bases. We're gonna go back to the way I used to play baseball in the 1990s. These guys are all getting fired up for 90s baseball. Marcus Timms, they're they're fired up because they're going to play baseball the old school way and they're going to shut the they, they shove the nerds in the closet. And now they are actually playing. Is there something that, that could be said where now they're letting it fly a little bit more, not being as cautious, not being as analytically and statistical driven, but actually going with their gut a little bit more? No. We're seeing it because he's he's actually been pulling some of the right it's strings the in the pitching Players, It's the, side players. Too. It's the well, players who are playing. The players who are playing in the first half, the team. So that Glaber Brian has a green. Has, Glaber has a green light. No, Glaber. Glaber is kind of the anomaly here because he's not a good base runner, and he's not even a fast guy. And he's stolen a couple bases. Yeah, but he's always but, he's always been able to steal a base when he goes. He just doesn't run very. He hadn't run very often. So he's stolen twelve bases, I think. I, I saw heard last night. Twelve to st- his career, and then twelve this year. Correct. Yeah. So, um, but I think it's mostly the players who are on the roster, and they're. To their credit, they are saying, what is the players that we have? What are their strengths? And let's play to those. Whereas the strengths of the team in the first half, how the roster was built and how the team was supposed to be is not built on running and defense and timely hitting and manufacturing runs. It's built on walking and tr- and trying to hit two and three run home runs. That's how the team was built at the beginning of the season. Okay. So what you're telling me is that they are now tailoring it to one of their strengths with his glaber stealing bases no he's the anomaly i said i mean how i don't many know what it bases, is. how many does he have of the 19. we just said 12 right no no no. that he doesn't have. 12 oh, from the, so all-star, from the all-star, break? all-star break you're saying from the all-star break either way the the fact that they do have this this green light i mean they were they were trying to hit and run they tried to double steal yesterday they tried to Guardie was up. I there don't was, think that's Boone though. Like I think that is who player. is that then who you're telling me that the players are calling a double steal. No, there's, yes. A, that is a, a double. That is steal a call. No, dugout. it's not a, no, it's not a called play a player. If they have the green light can orchestrate a double steal. They give a signal. The lead runner orchestrates it based on the pitcher. It was Glaber. I know it was Glaber. That's the anomaly. Cause he's a, to his, up until this point in his career, he's been a, a stupid bad base runner. Okay, so I don't get it. I'm looking up his stolen. That's basement. a call play. I firmly believe that's a call play. And there, they gave him uh, an opportunity to go. And to even play. if even if it's even if it's a green light, someone's giving him that green light, giving him the ability to go out there and feel the game. Someone's when was doing the that. Break? That's Boone. When was the All Star break? Uh, like in the, the finish, middle of July. Right? So he has one. Two, three, four, five, six stolen bases. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, six of the nineteen. But but the point is, is they are they're hit. I, they had, they've had the hit and run on more often recently. Uh, the double steal with Guardy up, one runner. I'm sorry, one one out. Uh, Guardy fighting with two strikes. Even two. I think it was a one two count or a two two count. It wasn't even a full count where they're moving runners this is this they're being more aggressive there's no doubt about it and maybe it's partially because the the other teams are not expecting this and it's it's uh it's a little bit of a different rope a dope in the first half yeah (laughs) a little bit of a well no there i think they can also get it take a take take this uh and and use it to their advantage for another small amount of time probably until you know they're they're caught up and, and people are looking over and expecting these guys to run but it's working right now and they are pushing the envelope they're doing different things and i applaud that and, I, and part of that, I have to give credit back to 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 Boone a little bit because that's I, I got to be fair here. That's not coming from nowhere. It's coming from somewhere, and uh, in theory, it's coming from the manager. Yeah, and I think the team has gotten more athletic, uh, and just, in the past better. You no, the past two weeks, yes, they added Gallo, who, you know, I actually have to say, he is a a much more complete player than his like Fangraphs page would indicate. You agree with that? he still strikes out a lot. That was yes, the real I know concern that. there. He's a great defensive player. We knew that. But no, but but like that's the thing you don't notice it watching six Rangers games a year. Whatever no, I mean, but I knew that. Yankees. We I knew that as a as a as a you know on the oh, on but the it's, big nice to, it's nice to it's nice like he made a good throw yesterday that yeah. that saved a run. I mean, it didn't yeah. matter the Yankees couldn't hit yesterday, but he's a good outfielder. He runs the bases well he's twitchy as shit you notice how twitchy he is i mentioned this on, on the show last week that i did i did a few minutes by myself after with neil keith he's the twitchiest baseball player i've ever seen in my life just have like you noticed ticky? this yes watch him he's constantly like wiggling his shoulders and Gotta bending over and you know what knock on wood he's not injured right now maybe that's the key you just constantly in motion just a yeah. little bit of motion keeping limber keeping loose there you go don't get injured Keep it moving. I I have a hard time sitting still as myself, so I can relate. I That's understand. That's all the Adderall. It's a, I understand <laughs> what he's doing. There's, these are things. <laughs> so, uh, and if they can, uh, if they can, what's the analogy I'm looking for? If they can tread, stay athletic. If if Glaber can be more athletic in the last two weeks. If they can continue <laughs> to win more games than they lose while they're decimated with these injuries, because. Again, eventually it's going to ca- catch up with you. If you have Cole Montgomery and Herman out of a rotation, eventually that's going to ca- catch up with you. Eight of nine series they've won, I think. Some, yes, is that is okay. that correct? So if, if if they don't go and just get absolutely mopped the floor with in these next nine games, and then maybe you get all those COVID list guys back, and then you can get Herman back and S- Severino or Culver in, in Double A throwing perfect innings one of them gives you something okay doesn't even have to be everything one of those guys gives you something okay now we're savvy coming back Seve's coming i know back he's coming back than, sooner than later i mean i know he's coming there's a much back higher percentage chance of him coming back and being effective than than kluber i think at you this think point. so Do you agree with you that think so? It feels that way, at least right now. Um, Okay. Yeah. I don't know about much higher percentage chance. I'd give it. Well, I just, I have, with Kluber, I don't know what, I just don't know. I mean, I feel like because of the age as well, you know, it could go wrong in two seconds. Dude, Luis Severino hasn't thrown a pitch in the major league I know, but for whatever reason, he's still got a a younger man's body and, you know, he's got a new mechanical arm, so. It's just a long time that he hasn't pitched on a major league mount. Right. I'm excited. I'm excited because that's that's uh, that's an extra that's an extra bit of fire. But you know f- throwing uh, perfect innings in AA is uh, is is getting damn close to coming back to the major leagues.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
2: Okay, we're going to get to Bob's segment now. He's not here, but again, he's here in spirit. We're going to try out this, uh, this little fancy media thing
3: and let's see if it works. What's up everyone. So obviously I wasn't able to make it on today's podcast, but I still have something that I need to get off my chest and address. It's the elephant in the room. And it's the fact that Jamison Tyone took that nasty tweet I made about him back in May and threw it right back into my face. So after taking some time thinking about how I should approach this situation, I decided the best way for me to address it would be with a poem, and it is titled, I am sorry Jameson. It was a cool Thursday night in the middle of May. The slow starting Yankees were facing the Tampa Bay Rays. Tyone on the mound looking for a good start. But it wasn't long before that dream fell apart. Four earned runs early on in the game. It wasn't a good outing. In fact, It was quite lame. I grabbed my phone as fast as I could, and filled with rage, I tweeted, Can we accept Tyone is not good? A mistake it was, as Yankees' Twitter became quite upset. As I read through the comments, I began to feel a bit of regret. Now it took him some time to get back his feel, but just look at him now. The guy can seriously deal. Only six earned runs in his last six starts combined, and he even won the title AL Pitcher of July. Now, Jamison, I would like to say, I'm sorry, as I should. Jamison, you're not bad. In fact, you're pretty fucking good. In all seriousness, the guy's been going off. I mean, his last six starts, he's pitched 37.1 innings, averaging over six innings a start. He's only allowed six earned runs, three home runs. He's only walked 11 guys, only allowed 24 hits, which is right right around four per start. He's thrown 35 strikeouts, averaging around six strikeouts per start. He won AL Pitcher of July. I mean, the guy, he's good. He's good, and and I couldn't be happier about being wrong. I also can't help to think, what has he been doing differently through July and now August that he wasn't necessarily doing in the beginning of the season? What has he changed in his game that has elevated him to the next level?
2: So there is Bob's poem apologizing to Jason Tyon <laughs> to the to the tune of "Twas the Night Before Christmas." <laughs> I mean, no one said he's a poet. He's a. I mean, he, he is a poet. He just wrote a poem. It was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. So, it was a. It was a. Um, it was a needed apology. He needed to <laughs> apologize to the man. It was from the heart. I could tell it's from the heart. We, you know, look. I think that you and I have had uh, juries out, jury out with uh, Tyon for, for a bit now, wanted him to ramp up, got to a point. I, he actually turned it on in a beautiful timing. It's like, okay, your, your body feels good. You're starting to tweak some stuff. Now you're starting to or move, you know, move, move, uh, move around different pitches, understand what you're doing a little bit better now, understand that you feel good. And he's put it together. He really has. He's done, done really well. I'm, I'm happy for the guy. Um, and, uh, I'm happy for this team because they needed him badly. Yeah, especially he's been their best pitcher over the past month. And it came when not just the injuries were happening, but Cole was struggling. Yeah, his boy. So we, like, uh, I got I got you the question you, that boo. Bob wanted us to discuss is what is he doing differently the last six or so starts that he was not doing early in the season and when you look at and dissect his numbers, his. Pitch usage, his whiffs per swing, uh, his his um, raw, whi- or, you know. So it was I was looked at pitch usage. It's pretty much the same between four seam sinker, cutter, curveball, and changeup. Um, his whiff percentage actually did not change much because he even in the beginning of the season he was getting swings and misses. It's just when he was not getting a swing and miss, he was getting hit hard. The the biggest difference is just he's not getting hit hard anymore. That might sound simplistic, but his batting average against on his four-seam fastball in the first month of the season was 303. Okay. It's been 186 since since July, and then his slugging percentage was 636 off of his fastball in the first month of the season. And it's been under 400 ever since, and it was 322 in July. Okay, so So, you're missing a you're missing a massive piece here. It's the sinker, the sinker that he's that he did not throw at all in April and July is making up what uh, he has in here, eight percent of of the uh, of the repertoire. That's a big deal. That sinker comes out of your hand and looks like a fastball. It's a heavy fastball, essentially. When you're now showing the sinker and, you know, you can you can get it close to uh, a similar speed. As the uh, it's not the a 4 seam fastball. Though. So Brooks Baseball categorizes it's a two seam fastball. That's fine. That's fine. But again, but he it looks threw it eight percent of, of the time in June too. What's that? He threw it eight percent of the time in June as well. Right, and and that's when we started to see him, you know, get more confident. I think, and and now physically being able to use it in a more effective way, you know, probably at better times as well. That's that's what I'm seeing the, the, at the opportunities when he's getting hit. And and getting you know too much damage off of his fastball. He's got a a sinker slash two seamer whatever whatever we're calling it. A fastball with downward action, movement. He, he's he's getting he's getting the swing and miss. It's because it's it's helping the whiff percentage, and it's mixing it up in the batter's eye so that they're not expecting that fastball anymore, and they have to see, uh, you know, a, a four seam fastball has a flat or rise tendency. Two seam, sinker, whatever we're calling it for him, has the opposite action. So mixing in that pitch and, and those opportune times, perfect. That's great. And I think that's that's part of what he's doing. He's figuring out his mix a little bit more with the understanding that he can throw these pitches effectively. And when you get that confidence level, when you you get that that difference uh in in the in the two pitches, I think that's a huge deal. It really is. Let's see him finish the season, right? Like he's been ramping up to this. Don't f- flutter out. After one month, let's see. I know he's not going to be up. What is he? 0. 0.9 ERA in the month of July. Like, I'm not saying he has to do that, but just continue uh, for the next two months and be good. You don't have to be see, the best well, the, pitcher, but just be the good thing for is the next for, for Tyone, too, is that he's going to be getting up to a, a point now, you know, as the season goes on where he's putting more work on that arm than he's ever had. Right. Or, you know, that he's had in a very, very long time. So he is up to 107 innings pitched. And at the beginning of the season, remember, he talked about a 140 number. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be approaching that well before the end of the season. Right. So that's, that's, we'll see, we'll see where he gets to when seven more starts, when he's up in that, in in that mid 100, uh, you know, 150 inning area. Because I think that's going to be a crucial. How, right, uh, that's like right. the next. That's like the next phase of like, okay, how how is he? How is his arm strength developed? How is he physically able to to stay within himself when he gets to you know that amount of innings? And is it affecting him uh, from from a, a physical standpoint? Is he getting more fatigued? Is that actually happening, or is his body conditioned to a point now where he can go beyond that and be fine? Because that's very possible. Well, thanks, Bob, for the poem, and uh, maybe Jameson will hear it and forgive you for that tweet. Let's do a couple mailbag questions before we wrap the show up. The first one's from Rob Anderson. He says, hey guys, I test versus nerd test. A lot of the Yankees main guys, DJ Judge, Stanton, Glaber, seem like they're not elevating the ball this year. That's why everyone's home runs are down and they're hitting so many grounders and double plays. Does the nerd test confirm this? And one guy is one thing, but the whole lineup doing this, that was his question. He just doesn't understand why it seems like everyone in the lineup is now hitting so many ground balls. The data, however, does not really support that the team is hitting many more ground balls, even though it does feel like that. Stanton, I looked at the numbers, is the biggest difference when you look at his career to this year. But it's actually less drastic when you look at his numbers since the, he joined the Yankees in 2018. Uh, but going down the list, DJ LeMahieu this year has hit 53.8% ground balls career to this point, 53.4%. So We talked this- about this last week it was it's it's more him not being able to barrel up it's the exit or you know he's not i talked about it with derek from you um, talked about it you broke it down but we talked about it even a little bit before that but yes you guys went into views of uh, three four yeah he's he can't hit the fast. he's been bad hitting the fastball this year and and not he's getting beat on fastballs in the middle of the plate which is definitely a problem Stanton forty nine percent ground ball rate forty two point six percent in his career. Judge forty two point three percent ground ball rate thirty nine point three percent in his career. Glaber forty one point five percent ground ball rate this year thirty seven point five in his career. Gary is actually hitting fewer ground balls this year, which makes sense. Actually, that I mean and when you look, Gary, at, yeah, yeah. When you look at these, the I mean the eye test does support this. they small percentage. The, you know it's within five percent a of couple players. ground balls though when you think about it it's true sure. it's a handful of ground balls but the so funny thing is the funny thing is is when you look at this and then you see that Gary is actually the opposite I would have I would have said that without looking at the numbers too. As a team 44.3% ground ball rate and their the um team from 2018 to 2020 so some different players but the team hit 42% so they are hitting two percent more ground balls this year than they did in the last couple of years. That's not such a drastic difference that where Rob just like his, his take is justified. It felt like all they were doing is hitting weak ground balls for three straight months. That's well, not even weak like. ground balls. I mean, even some, a lot of these double plays. I mean, Stanton the other day hit the ball freaking hard, just right at right at a uh, a, a defender. And it was an easy double play. So, but when you know, you in some cases, the number these guys are hitting it, the ball hard. The number of it, it's like, oh, it's nine more ground balls. It's not. A crazy amount, whatever. I don't know if it's nine, but you know what I'm talking about. It's a couple, it's a couple of ground balls more. When you turn those ground balls though into double plays, a lot of if, them have been. And when you translate that, that that ends a lot of innings. Well, Aaron Boone said that good teams ground into double plays. Well, you know. Okay. Next question is from Brock Leatherman. With Cashman's kind of badass editions of Rizzo and Gallo, since we aren't paying Jack for either. Let's say the Yanks make a decent comeback during the second half. Do we still can both Baboon and Cashman? I'm feeling upper management is already eyeing Boone's replacement, so I feel like he's gone the day after we lose the ALDS, assuming we can get past the Sox. I think we should sign Rizzo long-term. Not sold on Gallo's home run or strikeout plate approach, even though his OBP is higher than Mookie. But with the mismanagement of the bullpen and the lineup, is Cashman still gone as well? I'm stuck between this being his redemption deadline or just a common or just common sense trades that really any gm would make i've been high on cashman until the realization nearly the entire fan base had when nearly in the entire lineup was hitting sub 200. love the pod keep up the good work so um his cashman? question is is there a scenario where, where ca- boone Cashman's- gets fired and yeah, Cashman stays. Yeah, even yeah. Though we we have said we've said the two are tied. We've said the two are tied, but we've also said that Cashman's definitely the harder one to get rid of. There's no doubt about it. There's, you know, if we're looking for a scapegoat, it, it could be, it could be Boone. Dude, Cashman's been with the organization for a long time. This 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 team doesn't this like to was like 17 years old. Yeah, they don't like to make changes. They just don't. That's not something that that they that they especially do at the, post. the position level of Brian Cashman. Correct. So, absolutely, I could see that happening, but they are tied because Cashman's decision and Cashman's decision making has been tied to Aaron boone in 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 many of the cases. Cashman's also made some great moves. I mean, we can we could you know crush him for for not being able to identify a starting pitcher at the trade deadline all we want. It's valid. It is valid. He's done some good things on the relief market. So far, again, small sample size. Not gonna not gonna overreact to the good stuff, um, uh, just like can't overreact to the bad stuff. But Clay Holmes has been good, and they're using him in lo- higher leverage situations than Luis Sessa was ever used. So I understand that. Plus the arbitration, he's in control. I understand that move. When you break it down, I do understand what that move it was not a direct move, but it was a correlating move essentially to clear space for uh, for the other guy. Do you think Cashman's d- additions of Gallo and Rizzo? I, I'm I'm sorry. I forget if I have already asked you this question. Do you think that was him admitting that the he the team he built was drastically flawed and it needed to change or was that just him saying these are the best guys available for a cheap price? I got to get them. I mean, I think you have to if if you listen to the um to to the birds and 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 all the rumors that are happening that they were after Gallo and spring training as well. So yeah, from from what they from what they, you know, is, is in the wind, they've been attempting to uh to get gallo and and gallo's been rumored for as a new york yankee for it seems like for the past three years at the trade deadline as well wasn't he going to be traded there or wasn't it andrew miller wasn't like literally wasn't he possibly going to get traded for andrew miller i don't remember it seems like he's been in every trade trade deadline talks um since he's been around so uh anytime you have a guy that's like there's a connection also to new York, like grew up as a yankee fan like all these things like you know they're they're an immediate an immediate uh ad into the trade deadline but if if he's not able to identify that the that the lineup was unbalanced based on the production that happened in the first half, then I don't know what's happening. So so yeah, of course I think that he saw opportunities to to secure two left-handed bats, Rizzo and Gallo, and the fact that he was able to do it at no money like that's where that's where to me Cashman comes in and and is like, works works his uh, yeah works his wizardry and is able to get these these guys over here still under the um you know the 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 confines of the luxury tax threshold which is what he's been working on for years now we know that that's w- that's what the organization has has clearly stated but it didn't affect what they could do at least not, not on the offensive side i don't know maybe. what happened well, with the well, pitching maybe, side maybe it's because possible. there's there's been a, there was a lot of reports written after the deadline that the yankees were heavily in on trevor story and in on uh, jose barrios and that the price was too high money wise too that they they could not get those teams to eat enough money to make make it work financially. Well, fine. The fact that they didn't trade Story and they got Gallo if those were the two, or if it was Story and Rizzo, either way, both guys are a better fit than Story would have been. Um. Well, especially I mean, you could understanding say that, if, that if Gallo you trade for Story, and we get him trade, next year for free. Yeah. If you could trade for Story though, that moves Glaber to second base and Lemayhi to first base. Right, but again, doesn't really, doesn't really. Uh, it, yes, it 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 changes your lineup on a day to day basis, but this is mo- a much better fit the way that it is now. Plus, it allows you for the flexibility that you would not have if that were the the case. Yes, Voigt also being there, Lemayhu being there, but the fact that you have a lefty bat Rizzo who's got the playoff experience, who's got you know the clutch gene, it just it just made a hell of a lot of sense. The last thing I want to mention quickly, we got an email from Lee Jones. Our buddy in the UK, he corrected us on something. So he says, regarding the number 21, it's Wednesday afternoon UK time and I'm currently listening to Monday's episodes. This was from last week. And you've said that nobody's worn Paul O'Neill's number since he retired. Didn't LaTroy Hawkins wear it briefly only for there to be objections? So he voluntarily switched. I could be mistaken, but Paul O'Neill's, uh, Paul's also one of my favorite players and could have sworn this is a thing. I looked it up. I had forgotten about this. Indeed, Latroy Hawkins wore number 21 on the field at Yankee Stadium very briefly in the year 2008. And then he switched it because people were pissed. <laughs> good call and good for Latroy Hawkins also being, uh, you know, in tune with what the fans want. I appreciate that. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it's one of those things that they were willing to give it out to Latroy Hawkins in two thousand eight, in two thousand eight, yeah, I mean, so you're saying that I mean Joey Gallo is going to be here for another year. Joey Gallo's is not taking that thirteen off of his back. <laughs> Doesn't seem like he's taking that thirteen off of his back. No, but like you were going to give twenty one to a relief pitcher, who's yeah. At that point, you, you I guess you're you're giving it up to anyway. Well, look, they they had a second. They had a set. They they thought better of it. And, and it's, now that that happened, right? Since I think maybe this is why it's been such a big deal because the fans objected to it. Latroy Hawkins took the number off, changed his number. I think he changed it to 22, which is funny because like that was... Um, Clemens. Clemens' Jimmy number. Key. So he... Maybe the fans actually have made a bigger deal about it than the organization. But now we're at the point... It's been 20 years. It's been 13 years since the Latroy Hawkins incident. No one's touched number 21. Uh, Todd Frazier was going to ask Paul O'Neill and Paul O'Neill just couldn't get signal in his basement to answer the call. So like it's basically retired now, even though Latroy Hawkins did it for wore it for, for a second. Yeah, good. As a sh- number it's 13 fine. is not a couple people are mad about not. that. Um, a lot of people I'm mad about that. that. Yeah, there's definitely some people mad about that. It's All funny. right, so we've we've got a big week. The Yankees are in Kansas City. I'm going to be sitting down and talking to an interesting guest this week. I'm talking to a Hall of Fame curator by the name of John Odell. I'm very excited to talk to him. Just gonna pick his brain, you know, because I'm 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 the nerdy historian on on this pod. I'd like to to talk to a a fellow baseball nerd uh, on the history side, not the data analytics side. And uh, talk about what it's like to be a, a Hall of Fame curator, and then, like I said, going to do the crossover episode with Sox Machine. That'll be up on our feed uh, Thursday morning, and then we'll probably be doing a Friday Fives talking about the Field of, Dream game, Field of Dreams game and all that good stuff. Do me a favor when you're talking to him as well, and get his uh, get his current thoughts because I'm, I'm, I want him to uh, to to talk about the steroid era and the way in, and if they've changed their thought in the because they have. Uh, they have you know sections of the hall of fame like obviously the guys are not in the hall of fame but they have um exhibits in the hall of fame that talk about the steroid era they talk about moments that happened within the steroid era. you have to you have to those are some of the biggest moments of baseball history so because that is there i'm curious to understand the thinking if they're there and 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 um you know, they're, they're put behind glass. They are essentially celebrated because they were a moment because it were well, a, it's a museum. Moment. I mean, baseball, that's hall fine. It is a museum, museum. You're right. So you you're have right. to tell what happened. That's what a museum okay. is. And the home runs were still hit even by steroid guys. So, so why the difference? Why the difference? Why the difference? It, well, but he, okay. Why I not, will not? Why I not, will not bring section up the them topic. off for eras? I will yeah. bring up the topic, but I don't know. I mean, this is like the voters. That's like a voters thing. Not necessarily a, a hall of fame management thing. Right? Yeah. But they're on the same page. Come on. Yeah, I guess the, the curators are on the shape. same page. The curators are looking for these moments. They're looking for the heat moments in baseball. They're looking for what happened in a particular era that that was important. And the voters are looking at the people who did those or, or who participated in those moments. Why is there, Why is there a disconnect in the way that they think? I suppose if the Hall of Fame announced that they are unveiling a steroid wing of the Hall of Fame where they're going to tell the true story, good and bad, about what happened in the PED era of baseball, and anyone who was good in that era should be enshrined in this wing, then maybe the voters would change their tune, and Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa would all have freaking plaques the size of their biceps in that wing because- Yeah, but the problem is then so would the the Derek Jeter's of the world, and so would the Cal Ripkins of the world. Where do you so, draw the line? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And that's a problem because our, our guy is getting enshrined in uh, a Couple month. Weeks. month, yeah. Early September. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, check out those two uh, bonus episodes that we're going to be doing this week. And then Scott and I will be back on Friday. Talk to you guys. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter, at Bronx Pinstripes, and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.